Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I like nothing. He makes me lie, lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. reading God's word for us. Together with um, Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, the Christmas story, Psalm 23 is, I think, by far the most famous, the most popular uh, yeah, chapter uh, of the whole Bible. How wonderful, if you listened well to the words Hugo read for us, how powerful, speaking about God being the shepherd. These words are read in the most extraordinary circumstances. The U.S. president read these words after 9-11. Every year at the Yom HaShoah, Remembrance Day, the day of remembering the Holocaust in the Second World War, they will read Psalm 23. In Rotterdam, I have led many funerals, and I think 20 or 30 percent of the funerals, people would ask me, read Psalm 23 and preach from it. And of course, I would do that. If you go to a cemetery, you will see these verses on many stones. The Lord is my shepherd. It's so wonderful and powerful that you might ask, uh, why preach this psalm? Why not just read it and say, amen, hallelujah, let's be happy with it. Well, thinking about that, there came a picture to my mind, and perhaps that picture illustrates why it would be good not only to read it, but also to preach this psalm. I was thinking of a very famous story, you may know it, The Christmas Carol of Charles Dickens. Um, If you don't know it, well, get the movie for upcoming Christmas and you will have a wonderful movie. But um, in this story, we hear about poor, tiny Tim, Timothy. And Tim is really a very poor boy. His parents lack everything He's disabled, he is ill. Probably this little boy won't live very long any longer. And tiny Tim, for his Christmas, he won't even have an apple to enjoy his Christmas. He's so poor. But there is some comfort for tiny Tim, for when Christmas is upcoming, he will go to the city center, to the shops, and then he will gaze through the windows and 
behind these windows he will see the Christmas toys and the cakes and all the Christmas presents and gazing at these he would think the gaze of it would give him some comfort and some joy now I was thinking that it might happen that people go home, for instance, after 9-11, after the Holocaust memorial, after a funeral, or as well today, you might go home after having heard Psalm 23, like Tiny Tim. So you heard these wonderful things that Psalm 23 is talking about. You gazed at these things and you thought, indeed, lovely, great, I love it. But going home, you would be aware you would never have the things it talks about. So it stirs up everyone's longing, but to long for is not the same as to have it and enjoy it. So can we not only long for the things this psalm mentions, but can we also have these things? That's the point for this sermon. Now some of you know they have it, Others would say, well, perhaps I'm more like Tiny Tim. I long for these things, but do I have them? And if you have them, perhaps today you can see how you can have, can have and enjoy them more. If you don't have them, I hope and pray that the Holy Spirit comes and that you will go home and that you say, I now have it. Or that if you have these things, that you now see how others can have them as well. That's the aim of this sermon. Now, before we, ask, before we try to answer the question, how can we have these things, let's first see about which things are we talking. What are the kind of things this psalm is mentioning? I think we can divide the psalm into three parts. If you have your Bible, you can look at it with me, or later on you can find it in your Bibles at home. So, the person speaking here compares himself to a sheep, having a very good shepherd. And then in the first part of the psalm, he says, because I have this good shepherd, I lack nothing. So this sheep is completely comforted. He has complete comfort. All his desires are satisfied because of this shepherd. That's the first part. Then in the second part, we learn that he is not only comforted, but he is also confident. So when the sheep is no longer in the green pastures and at the still waters, but as sheep did after the springtime when they were in the green pastures, they were led through the valleys and through the desert to the place where they would be in the autumn and in the winter, they had to travel. Now, in the next part, in the middle part of the psalm, the person says that he is confident that though there is no food, no drink, though there are perhaps scary animals that would want to eat you, want to kill you, he says, I fear not. So the first part, I lack not. Second part, I fear not. He is confident. He is protected. And then in the third part, in the last part, we hear a strong conviction. A conviction that 
this sheep is really seen and will be, so to say, shining. He says, I will arrive at the home place, at the safe place where there is a table for me, prepared by the great shepherd, by the creator of the universe. He will welcome me at his table, anoint my head and give me a cup overflowing. So this sheep has a promising future. Now, aren't these the things we all long for? We long to be provided for. We long to be protected. We long to have a promising future. We long to be comforted and satisfied. We long to be confident and safe. We long to have the conviction that we are seen. I believe especially this last part matters too for us all. So we are not only happy when we have food and drink and are safe, but we don't want to be a loser, do we? We really want to be somebody. We don't want to be a nobody. When preparing for this sermon, I was walking along a small harbor in Rotterdam, and I saw these big boats, and I was wondering, why do people have such big boats? Well, if you look at these boats, oh... They look great, but I thought it's not only about having a satisfying boat, but I think it's also when when you are on that boat, you are seen as the man who made it. And uh, yeah, you're not a loser if you have such a big boat. So the psalm is talking about things we all long for, comfort, confidence, conviction. We all long to be provided for protected, to have a promising future, we all long to be satisfied, safe, and to be seen. Now, there are times in our lives when all these things all of a sudden seem to fall away, gone, lost. Think of 9-11. And then, yeah, to turn to Psalm 23, speaking about these things, is in some way comforting. But the question, of course, is, when we listen to this and look at these things and long for these things, in some way it is comforting, like Tiny Tim was comforted by gazing through the window, but again, that's not the same as having these things. So how can we have these things that we long for? Now let's be honest. How do we try to have our satisfaction, our safety? How do we try to be seen? By How, how are we inclined to have these things? I think that, perhaps we don't want to admit that, but, but I think that believer and unbeliever have much in common here. So perhaps the believer says, I have it all by God. But when you look at our daily lives, perhaps there is, we we take many efforts to be satisfied in our desires. And if something happens that makes us feel unsafe, we will look for things and ways to be safe again. And perhaps in all our work and our efforts for our studies or or our career, There is something that we long to be seen and not to be a loser. 
So there is a sort of conviction deep within that, that says, that tells us, if you want to have these things, you should be your own shepherd. So sometimes we have bad experiences with others, but the one you can rely on, the one you should look at to, to have it all, is yeah, be your own shepherd. Who could do better than you yourself? And to have these things, we look at certain things that might satisfy our desires, that might make us feel safe, or that might uh, feel us as people who are seen like a big boat. Now let's be honest. Isn't this present not only in unbelieving people, but in believing people as well? Now I assume that people who regard themselves as Christians admit this, but however say, well, we should, we, we should have these things in a different way, of course. So to look at ourselves and to look at material things is a form of idolatry. So we shouldn't look at ourselves, worshipping ourselves, and we shouldn't look at earthly things for this, but we should turn, of course, to God. He should be the one who provides, protects, and uh, promises our future. We should rely on him. Now, well, very good. The Bible agrees with that. If you read Paul's letter to the Romans, the opening chapters, then you will indeed find that our human problem is that we have the problem of idolatry. We look at creatures, we look at created things, rather than to God our creator. That's our problem, that is our sin. We shouldn't do that. We should turn to God, we should trust God for these things. However, if we try to do that, then... Does that make us feel, I lack nothing, I fear nothing, I'm sure I am seen and I have a promising future? Let's be very honest. When we turn to God for these things, then, then do we have them? Now someone might suggest to really feel it, we should do one thing. In the psalm we should replace the word Lord with Jesus. So, Jesus is my shepherd, I lack nothing, and so on. So, if we read the psalm that way, then, then wouldn't that help us to, to feel it all, to experience it all, to have it all? Isn't that what Pastor Jos was aiming for in all the sermons on the psalms, that we should read Jesus here? Well, in some way, I, I, of course, of course, very good. Um, so in, in, in John's Gospel, chapter 10, indeed, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. So, well seen that the great shepherd is Jesus. So if you see that, that it is about Jesus, then you gaze more clearly through the window. You see much more that Jesus is the good shepherd. However, let's be very honest. Is the problem solved now? Are we the persons who then enjoy to lack nothing and to uh, be safe and, and, and so on? Or does the problem still occur? I think at times it still occurs. And I'm convinced that there is one thing we should pay attention to more in this psalm. Perhaps you have not yet seen it. I hope it will be 
uh, helpful for you. For as we learned, we should not reading the Psalms immediately to turn to Jesus, but we should first pay attention to what is in the text, what is said there with great attention to learn more what did this psalm originally mean. And then we can discover something that you might not have seen. So let's turn to the text again and have a question. Psalm of David, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, I shall not lack. Who is the I in this first verse? Who is the my in this first verse? I think very, very often when we read Psalm 23, we assume it's about us. Of course, we, we, we read the Bible because we want it to be for us, of course. That's legitimate, of course. But originally, who was the first person to say the Lord is my shepherd? I shall not want. Well, the answer is in the text. We know it. The first one to say these words was David. So David was first a shepherd boy. He knows what shepherding is. And later on, when he was the king of Israel, king in Old Testament was often referred to as a shepherd. He was called to be the shepherd of the people of God. Then, then David knew, I, the king, have God, the creator of the universe, as my shepherd. So the I and the me in the psalm is first and foremost the king speaking. And yes, he made this psalm to be sung together with God's people, led by God's king, to sing it to God. David was not allowed to build a temple, and because he was not allowed, he thought, there is a different way I can make preparation for God's people. I can make a beautiful uh, book of prayers, and he inserted many of his psalms in this book to be sung by God's people. Now, who is the I, who is the me? I assume we'd better first look at David. So when they were singing this psalm, they saw in front of them their king, and their king would say, I have God as my shepherd. And they would sing with him, and, and with you as our king, we have your God as our God too. We have your shepherd as our shepherd um, too. I think that's a key for understanding the Psalms, not only Psalm 23, but if you look to the whole series of Psalms, for instance, the previous Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, we can feel like that, but the first one to sing this was, again, David, the anointed king. And if you look at Psalm 20, 21, there is presented a special person there. Who? The king. And Psalm 24, who will dwell on the mountain of the Lord? We need somebody that will reign over God's people. About whom is it speaking? About us? Well, we want to dwell there too. But first and foremost, it was speaking about the king. Now look again at the whole text of Psalm 23. And let's ask this question, to whom does it apply best? All these words, to whom do these words apply best? Do they first and foremost apply to us? 
or to King David, or, let me continue, would they apply best to Jesus, the son of David? Now, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Well, I assume it, it applies better to David than to us. So David knows much about shepherding. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, good thing to, to think of David here. However, I shall not lack. There was a time that David thought he lacked a lot. When he was on the roof of his palace, looked at Bathsheba, he thought, I will lack it. I have to take it myself. And David was not a shepherd. He was like a wolf. So it might apply best to Jesus, the son of David. When David wrote his psalms, these were his psalms inspired by the Holy Spirit. But as Jews have looked at psalms, they knew they were prophetic. They were not only looking back at David, but the words of David were looking forward to another one to whom the words would apply better even than to the author, to David. So there would be somebody who would really lack nothing because the creator of the universe would be his completely caring shepherd. He should not take the things for himself because his God, his creator, as a shepherd, as a father, would take care of him. And he would go the path of righteousness, the path of the Torah, of keeping God's law. Does this apply to us for the sake of the name of God? Well, the longing of David was that he would live such a life that people looking at him would think, wow, he keeps God's law. He is one with the will of God. So praise be to God. It might apply better to David than to us. But again, to whom do these words apply better than to Jesus? To live for the sake of the glory of the name of the Father. Yeah, indeed, looking at David and then deeper to Jesus, we see how this psalm opens up. Here is a sheep that is led through the valley of death. Remember Psalm 22. Through that dark valley, however, the Lord is with him. And finally, he will end up in a glorious position. So the creator of the universe welcomes this person at his table. Enemies are defeated, are looking uh, and, and not joining it. His head is anointed, his cup overflows, overflows, and he dwells in God's house forever. Well, to whom does it apply most? Just to us in general? Or to David? Think better to look for the victory of the king, but to Jesus? I think it applies best. The psalm is prophetic, looking forward. Now, enough about it. I hope this convinces you a bit, but... Uh, what's in it for us? Because we need something. We need, uh, we, we need the food from the psalm. How does it come to us then? How is this helpful for us? Well, back to the question, how can we not only long to have it, but how can we really have it? How can we not only gaze at these wonderful things, but enjoy these things? Well, my question here is not, do you have these things and enjoy these things? But could you believe 
That's a very important question. Could you believe, could you see that Jesus has these things? Could you see that Jesus is not like poor tiny Tim gazing at such things and knowing it will never apply to me? Jesus, he had God with him, taking care of him, leading him through the valley of death to the triumphant victory. Could we believe that this applies to Jesus, that Jesus has God as his shepherd? And if you could, if you could see that he enjoys this, then at least we know someone who does not only long for it, but have it. Now, when you would have it, would you ever want to lose such wonderful things like satisfaction, like safety, like to be seen? Would you ever want to lose these things? However, look at Jesus. He had these things. He was God and son of God. He was the great shepherd. But look at him. The things he had and that were his, he indeed lost. Why? Because this was the will of his father and he agreed with this. He wanted to lose it, to give it to us. He saw us, poor tiny Timothys. He saw we lack it. And he had compassion. He had mercy. And he saw that if he would lose it and give it, then we might receive it. So, look at him on the cross. Is he satisfied? No, he loses it all. He lacks it all. Is he not afraid? Well, look at him in Gethsemane. He's very afraid. And is he safe? Look at him at the cross. He is not safe at all. And is he seen as a victorious one when he hangs upon the cross? No, he is seen as the great loser. He has lost it all. He is is a nothing. But why is that? Why did the shepherd become a sheep? Yes, why did he become a lamb? Yes, it was that indeed he would become our shepherd but also the lamb giving his life, his, 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 his body as our bread, his blood as our wine. My friends, there is a God, and there is a Son of God who sees us. He has passed through the valley of death. He is the risen one. He has that victorious place at God's right hand, and God has prepared a wonderful table for his bridegroom's son, And he wants poor, tiny, tim people to have it. So those who know, they lack it. They know we strive for it, we long for it, but we don't have it. He simply says, I see you, and I see that you lack it, and that you are worried. And I see that you are not safe, and I see that you feel not seen, but I have seen you. I have found you. Hear my voice. I'm your shepherd. I know your name. I'm calling to you. Could you believe that I have it? Now, if you believe that I have it, then when I have you, and when you have me, then wouldn't you have it all in me? My friends, this is the answer to our question. 
This is the gospel. This is mere Christianity. Mere Christianity is not about, I feel I lack it, let me try to trust God for my satisfaction, for my safety to be seen. But I can't have it. I must do my best better. I must focus more on Jesus. I must read my Bible more. And still I don't feel it. No. Hear the voice of Jesus. Do you believe I have it? Come to me. I lost it to give it to you. Hear me and find it in me. Put your trust in me. Just be honest with all your poverty and come to me to have my riches. This is so great. This is the gospel. This is good news. You do not need only to gaze at it and to long for it and to think, well, it's all humbug. We can never have these things. No, we can have these things because Jesus died for us, rose again, and he is providing for us. He has prepared a table for us today. To receive this will change us and transform our lives. The church of Jesus, on the one hand, feels perhaps as a gathering of poor tiny Tims, but the church of Jesus is far more than that. If you look at the story of Charles Dickens, then further ongoing in the story, Mr. Scrooge, the very rich man who would keep it all for himself, that Mr. Scrooge would change and then he would share what he had and then Tiny Tim would have a wonderful Christmas because Mr. Scrooge would share his properties. Now, our God is not a Mr. Scrooge. On the contrary, he is abundant in love and mercy, sharing what he has. He has even given his only son. Then if he has given his son, wouldn't he give you everything with his son, Jesus Christ? Receive the son and you have it all and you can celebrate Christmas, you can look at Luke 2, not only gazing through a window, but know that this shepherd who became a lamb laid in the manga is, is your loving Savior, is your loving God. And then indeed you can begin to sing this psalm as your psalm, together with all God's people of Old Testament and New Testament throughout all the world, looking at Jesus, who had his father as his shepherd, and in Jesus, we have our shepherd. How great. This is the way we can sing Psalm 23, and we can sing all the psalms as prophetic, looking at the king, singing, looking at him, looking with him, and, and having joy in him. How wonderful, the book of Psalms. And this indeed transforms our lives. Last point. The shepherd became a sheep, yes, even a lamb. Now, if we are satisfied through the gospel, learn to believe and trust the gospel, then we get so satisfied and safe and seen that we get abundance and we are transformed from sheep to shepherd-like people. Think of Peter. He was one of Jesus' sheep. And one day he went lost. First he thought, I am confident, I am a strong believer. Later on he discovered he was not as strong as he would have thought. And then Jesus looked for him, asked for him, forgave him. And when he was forgiven, Jesus said to him, uh, take care of my sheep. This is how we are transformed by the gospel. That we are not only needy persons looking for others to, to satisfy us, to see us, to help us. 
Of course, sometimes we feel like that, but he can fill us with his spirit so that we get enough, even so much, that we can become sharing people for others. Psalm 23, together with Luke 2, most famous chapter of the Bible. How wonderful everything it mentions. And remember, it's not only to gaze at through a window. Hear the voice of Jesus. He's giving it to you. And if you receive it with a believing heart, you are the richest person on earth. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship with the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.